Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Again. <laughs> how are you on this fine week? Oh, gracious. Well, you know, I always have this doom and gloom. Hey, guys, life is hard. But I, I do have to say there's uh, things are looking up. Um, they're projecting a mild March here in Canada, mm. which is great. Uh, I'm here for another month. Yeah. You know, every day we've got a few more people vaccinated. We're just one more day closer to like that beach. And, uh, you know, when you watch like old movies and by old movies, I mean like pre-March 2020, where people are like (laughs) socializing and like spitting each other's faces without masks. And you're like, oh, my God, that close talking. Do you know that you're just inhaling air that other people have expired? You know, that we've only really had this awareness for the last year, but hopefully we're just not too far away from being able to inhale the air that other people exhale. So, and, you know, as we were talking offline, I have really stepped into my own with setting a boundary here uh, in my clinical practice. And I just got the balls to like send an email to tell people how much I'm worth. And I'm so excited about that. So that's what we coach around. We coach around setting boundaries, really communicating like how much I'm worth. Good for you. I can feel the electricity coming from you. I know. I just kind of coached myself for a bit and I put myself in a really powerful position and uh, feeling great about it. Yeah. She is on fire. Oh my gosh. Well, you and I both have coaches, right? So I mean, just, and we're both trying to figure our lives out. Yeah, it's just so incredible to kind of have this breakthrough where we realize like, oh my gosh, I was really putting up with something that that didn't deserve me or my time. And now I can just step up and say, hell no. Yeah. And it's one of the biggest challenges, isn't it, in relationships is where we ourselves play second fiddle to everybody else. Oh, yes. And in doing so, create this situation where we're tolerating things that we shouldn't be or that have a negative effect on us, not only in terms of how we feel emotionally, but sometimes physically, because it can start to manifest into different areas. And then it seeps out and starts to affect other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. So being able to stand in your power like that and just set your boundary firm and feel really good about it is bloody amazing. Absolutely. The fearlessness, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody rejects me setting a boundary, then it means they were only accepting me because I was playing small. Yeah. And so if I show up as myself and I say, no, 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 this is all of me and you got to take all of me or none of me. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh, it's quite sassy. Mm. Yeah. Don't call a doc sass for nothing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> these, I'm really like, I'm earning my name right now. <laughs> I'm earning my name. Is I kind of lost myself these past few weeks, but I'm, I'm back guys. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Nice to see it. So how's your week been? And tell us about dining out going out on the town oh I tell you it was bloody amazing <laughs> we're like two little giddy kids in a sweet shop like oh, oh so excited we don't know what to do here oh it was just lovely being in a restaurant with other people somebody mm. else made dinner brought us a glass of wine oh. it's just lovely lovely you only get this small window but um it's enough time oh. it's enough time to have a meal and 
Yeah, and just feel like you've got some sense of normality and freedom. Yes. Yeah. How did you find your mood was? And do you find that it, it shifted something to be out and to be not rubbing shoulders with other people? Because obviously your tables were set far apart. Yeah, we had two meters distance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was just really nice. It kind of felt a bit more normal. And mm. um, I was really conscious of following the rules, like whatever the rules are. Tell me what the rules are so I can do it yeah. so that we don't get sent back home again. <laughs> yes, yes. So there is like a real thing around. Um, I just needed to do exactly as I'm told and then yeah. we won't get sent back to detention again <laughs> yes yes we won't be under house arrest we'll be allowed to carry on yeah so there's a real kind of feeling i think that i just want everybody else to follow the rules too so that we can all have a bit of normality and keep going in a forward direction yeah that's yeah. wonderful yeah but it certainly brings a spring to your step when you get a little date night that doesn't involve me making dinner yes yes and it involves putting on clothing that has a waistband <laughs> yes <laughs> That was that was quite tricky though, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, I tell you. The lockdown waste really is a thing. <laughs> well, I, I mean it is, because we have no sense. Like I I try to force myself, you know, when I go into clinic, when I do am scheduled mm. for in-person clinics to actually uh wear pants that have a sturdy waistband <laughs> as opposed to like the sweatpants. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say I force myself to wear pants. <laughs> well that too. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I think you'd be arrested as a doctor. <laughs> That's well, it's and it's a bit of a shock because if I'm doing virtual, I will put on a very nice shirt, but I'll I'll have my yoga pants on at the bottoms yeah. and possibly even my uh woolly inners. Oh. Yeah. And maybe even my like, yeah, shorts if, if the temperature in the apartment permits. Yeah, I know what you're mm. saying. We've totally yeah. Oh my gosh, our fashion, like 2020 fashion. <laughs> it's not gonna go down yeah. in the books. It's not. No, it's yeah. not. I wore heels for the first time in a very long time. Oh, how did and that it felt feel? Good. Good. <laughs> I liked it. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, here's to a bit of freedom. Mm. And for those of you that are in the rest of the world where you maybe haven't got as much freedom, it is coming. It's I coming. Promise, it is coming. And it's there is gorgeous. some light. There is some hope. Just yeah. stick with that. Good. And until Wonderful. then, carry on following the rules. Yes. Mm. Don't be the person who pisses in the pool. No, I do not. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> All right. Um, so right. let's go on to the correspondence desk of love. Right. So got a nice sexy little number for you here, Anna. Oh, you know I like it. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. So we talk a lot on this podcast about sex and sex drives loss of libido mm. things like that so i came across an article which is try these eight ways to boost your libido naturally oh okay tell us very excited so, here we go so it starts off by just explaining why sex drives may have dropped and mm. and why moods may be a bit lower so we know we're in this series of lockdowns and rules being imposed on us that just aren't natural, just not a natural way to live. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of financial pressure. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of worry, I think, about the future. We've got challenges with family situations and, mm. and having to care for people who are in vulnerable positions. So there's a whole host of reasons why you may be feeling this way. And if you are feeling this way, it's totally normal given the circumstances. Mm. But... Here are eight ways to potentially boost your mood. Okay. To see if any take your fancy. Yeah. So the first one is focus on pleasure and not penetration. Oh, this is very evocative. Tell me more. Mm. 
So rather than focusing on the whole end goal, just focus on the things that are important to you and the things that you find pleasurable. So really just starting with some of those smaller things. So, you know, it may just be having a little kiss, lying down in bed. So this goes back to something that we mentioned on the podcast a while ago that people still repeat back to me. Just lie down naked next to each other and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we're talking about when we're saying don't focus on the penetration, the full act. Just focus on being close to one another. Oh, very nice. Oh, that's very... Titillating. I love the uh, sexy alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) The second one, to try sex toys. Yeah. Now, I have a slight problem that I don't really feel like this is natural. So I think I disagree with that title. But anyway, I also think it's slight advertorial because I've then got some um, suggestions. So, Mm. but anyway, I'm not industry bias maybe yeah well yeah quite i'm not dismissing the idea though but it does say if you've not tried them before then this may spice up your sex life for you it might just bring a bit of variety um and it says the advice is to start small and work your way up <laughs> interestingly enough i don't know if ansomers is a thing across the water but it's basically like a public known like a household name i guess for sex toys oh, and she okay. this the woman that started Ansomers, like she wanted to take the, to destigmatize sex shops oh. and make them something that was more accessible, the mm-hmm. purely targeted at women. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently the sales have gone up, of sex toys have gone up 60% at Ansomers during wow. the third lockdown. So they wow. just as an aside. And mm. I love how they say start small. And it is true. Yeah. Things, objects in your mirror are larger than they appear or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you've completely thrown me there (laughs) trying to work that one so um so number three is keep your sex life fresh so if you're suffering in a long-term relationship and passion has started to wane then maybe find some creative ways of different lovemaking to keep Mm. things fresh so it says rather than doing the same old routine month after month just mix things up a bit and try some different things at different times. Yeah, wonderful. Good. Mm. The fourth one, talk about your fantasies. Oh, yes, this is very hard. Yes, mm. and so very essential. Sexual fantasy is an excellent way to unlock desires. So it says a lot of people feel that the only way they should express desire is from their partner. Mm. And this is somehow dishonest or disloyal if you're relying on a fantasy or you're masturbating before you go to bed to feel more aroused. Mm. If this increases your desire and you enjoy it, then do it anyway. Oh, gosh, yes. But this is really, really hard. Yeah, this is a brave step. Yeah, it is a brave step. I think there can be some, there's a few things here, though, isn't there? So there can be uh, pressure to have like a really wild fantasy. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. because it. Yeah, fantasy might be something really small. I don't know, like I want to imagine that you're the postman and you're delivering this, you know, special parcel that's got a special treat attached to it or something like that. I don't know. I'm making it up. The postman's not my fantasy, by the way. Um, (laughs) So, you know, it doesn't have to be something that's out of some, you know, bunk buster movie or or book. Yeah, or any kind of fetish or anything like that. It could just be something small. So I think there is kind of a bit of that. I think the other side is that it's just a really difficult conversation because we feel like we've been taught that we shouldn't have fantasies and they're Mm. wrong somehow or Mm. any kind of desire is is wrong when 
actually it's not yeah so getting kind of beyond that to have the conversation can be quite difficult depending on kind of you know your um past experiences your upbringing all of those things yeah it's true oh that's exciting okay so we'll see yeah factor fats and zinc into your diet okay Mm. (laughs) dr Mm. anna looks puzzled That kind of gets the, mm, is there really evidence for that? Yeah. A lot of people ask me like, can I take, is there any supplements I should take? And I'm like, I love fresh fruits and vegetables. So if you could just do more fruits and vegetables, if you could put all your money into that, I'd be very happy. So I'm going to call BS on that, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Just eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, guys. Come on. This is when it pays dividends to have a doctor in the house. Yeah. Um, so it does say there is varying degrees of evidence, mm-hmm. but it seems that eating a healthy, balanced diet can pay rewards in the bedroom. Mm. Good fats, unsaturated fats, for example, oily fish, nuts, seeds, are important for boosting libidos because sexual hormones such as testosterone are manufactured from these fats. It says oysters contain zinc, which is essential for the production of the sex hormones, hence the old wives' tale, using oysters as an aphrodisiac. And then it says too much alcohol can reduce your libido too, so drink sensibly and um, within recommended levels. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, she does know what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, "Mm, okay, so yes, you know what, I think if any food gets you in the mood, then go for it. Some yeah. people talk about strawberries. Mm, not heard that one before. Strawberries, chocolate. I think if you're mm. on a lovely date and you're sharing some food, you're sharing, you know, and the, the food yes. that you love, I would say that a greasy hamburger is probably not going to make you feel sexy. <laughs> right? Yeah. If I compare um, chocolates and strawberry to a Big Mac, yes. <laughs> the chocolates and strawberry are winning. We'll win out every down. time. Yeah. So, yeah. And actually, and people say like, you know, Maybe they may opt for like a fresh salad because they'll just feel lighter afterwards, you know, just so eat the food that makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to say it's a bit of a stretch in terms of like that somehow? Anyways, (laughs) whenever there's this like, you know, eat more of this because, you know, this is the building block for that hormone. I'm like, trust me, it gets enough. You, You have enough. But what I believe it's important is it gets your mind in the game. Yeah. And your mind is the most important sexual organ. So absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of mind, number six is Mm. don't judge yourself. So it's important to remember that there's no right amount of sex that you should be having. And whether you have it twice a day or once a month, it doesn't matter. So remind yourself that most of us are not having orgasmic sex all the time. It doesn't matter how often you do it, but if you like it. So it goes back to that whole quality over quantity. Yes, that is so important. I was just talking to a girlfriend yesterday and talking about just how shit it's been to maintain mm. a relationship uh, through lockdown and, and this yeah. feeling of like keeping up with the Joneses and what's everyone else doing. And really, everybody is having a pretty shit time. So mm. it doesn't matter the frequency of any sexual activity is that if you can focus on liking it, yeah. don't worry, the rest of the world is extremely boring right now. And I don't care who's putting what on Instagram, <laughs> but like everybody is not at their best self. So if you can enjoy yeah. yourself, you're winning. Yeah. Too right. So number seven is take up yoga. I can see that. So it said a study found in the Journal of Sexual Medicine 
found that um, yoga improves sexual desire, arousal and orgasm and overall satisfaction. I mean, funny, I kind of call bullshit on the supplements, but on the yoga side, I'm like, if your body, if you can experience more flexibility and stretching and just that wonderful feeling that comes from your body sort of moving in all those delightful ways, it certainly boosts your interest for sensuality. It's a sensual experience, yoga is. Yeah, which is exactly what it says here. So it says feeling healthy, strong, flexible and confident are all major factors when it comes to sexual arousement. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the last point is speak to your GP. <laughs> oh my gosh, isn't that, now that is actually true. That's so true. I'm so glad we so, were on this list. Oh, I know. I'm so so it says in general, not wanting to have sex doesn't mean there's anything weird, abnormal or wrong with you. But if you're concerned that your low sex desire is connected to a physical or emotional issue, then speak to your GP. For sure. Yep, there's a, just a few things but for women. It can be um, vaginal dryness. And I was just talking to a patient just over the weekend who is just into her 30s. And she was like, I did not know that you cross, you know, sometimes as early as 30 years old. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. Is it? Is it? And I was like, it's completely biologically normal to not have as mm. much lubrication. And so that's yeah. why like a very high quality lube. I can't tell you how many patients I talk to about getting a high quality lube and buying that and mm. keeping it on you at all times. For, for when the mood strikes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> keep on, on a minute. In yes. my pocket. <laughs> in your pocket, on your bedside table at all times. In your car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, I love it. So yeah, just talk to us and we'll debunk. But and I get asked a lot, oh, there's a lot of guys who are worried about low testosterone because they've read it. Mm. And there's a lot of surreptitious uh, interests that are trying to sell men like testosterone supplementation, which is overall increasing their cardiovascular risk. Mm. When I meet somebody, I'll certainly run their hormone levels. I'll certainly do the blood test. But the big thing I tell them is that I also want them to zero in on their sleep, on their stress, yeah. on their level of engagement and fulfillment in life. So oftentimes people who are feeling a little lackluster in the bedroom, honestly, I, f I find that they might do with some coaching to sort of evaluate where they are in their life or their career and their relationships. Sometimes yeah. they're kind of just coasting, but they're not actually happy. And that really, really, so funny enough, yeah, see your GP. But if you see a GP coach like me, you might be asked about how your life is doing and what your level of satisfaction and fulfillment is. <laughs> Dr. Rana is available. Watch out. <laughs> That's a oh, lovely list. Beautiful. Right. Well, that started us off well, because all in the mood. In the mood. Whatever mood that might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you ready for a hot, hot topic? Yes, I am. Let's go. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so, this week we have how divorce affects the children. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Yes, okay. This is a huge one. It is. It is. I'm going to ask you to get us started on this. Where do we start? Okay. <laughs> One of the things, I saw something a few weeks ago, there was a conversation about somebody who'd felt deeply upset because they'd been told that they shouldn't be upset by their parents' divorce because it happened when they were in their mm -hmm. late teens or early adulthood. And my response was, I often find that when people go through it later on in life, they are more affected 
than when they're kind of really, really super young. Wow, yes. So I think there are some kind of extremes as to how it affects people depending on how old the children are. So yeah. I think that has a big impact on it. But I think we're expected if we are adults to just kind of suck it up, get on with it and not mm. be emotionally affected by it. And failing to validate somebody's experience is re-traumatizing mm. for people. Oh, and yeah. to not give them the validity to have the feelings. And because, of course, divorce will affect kids at any age. I mean, if your parents yeah. divorce in their 70s and you're in their your 30s, it's going to hit you really hard. Yeah. I was just doing the mental maths there around how old they were when they had you. I suppose 40, that's kind ah, of Ah, that's case, right. You're probably right. <laughs> You're right. I was like, mm. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. I think it does. It doesn't matter what age you are, you're going to be affected by that because you've formed an attachment with your parents based on them being, you kind of think of them as almost as one, don't you? They're of a unit, course. they're together. Yes. They're your stability, they're your rock, they're the fundamental part of your existence and they brought you into the world and they were always together so that separation I think can often be quite hard yeah there's another element of that as well isn't there around kind of not wanting to feel like you're in the middle as a child like yes and that goes across any age really yeah but obviously the older you are the more aware you're going to be of that of being stuck in the middle or feeling like you've got to you're going to see things and hear things that as the child is the conduit between the two yes. parents that they're not going to see or hear themselves. And that puts a bit of pressure, I think, on children. Oh, it does. And and that's even in the best of circumstances when your parents are not yeah. deliberately using you as a counsellor or a friend. Yeah. Which, spoiler alert, you know, don't use your kids as a counsellor or a friend as you're proceeding through divorce. But yeah. but even in the best of circumstances, you will be like a UN mediator and you never signed up for that role of, you know, <laughs> helping to keep the peace between two warring countries. You, you never signed up for that yeah. as a kid, right? Yeah. I think the other thing that really comes up is around that fear or feeling of abandonment. Oh, of course, of course. You've been part of this family unit that suddenly no longer exists yeah. in your eyes. The reality is it does still exist, but it's going to change. It's going to be different. Yeah. And how and what it changes too depends quite a large part on the parents that are divorcing. Oh, yeah. So it's thinking about if you are going through divorce, thinking about that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So if I know that my child, no matter what age they are, could potentially feel abandonment through this process, how does that make me mm. behave in a different way mm -hmm. during this divorce? Yeah, say more if you could, because that's the critical question of how, you know, mm. what is my approach knowing that they're going to be affected no matter what? Yeah. But how can I lessen or make that the most positive or, or less negatively impactful as possible? Yeah. So I think you've got a valid point there that no matter what happens, you're going to be affected. So I always think when you raise children, it doesn't matter what you do, you are going to fuck them up in some way. <laughs> and that might be in a tiny way or it yeah. might be in a gigantic way. Yeah. But your actions are going to have an impact yeah. on that child's life to come. Absolutely. And you won't intend to do that. You know, the majority of us don't set out to ruin another human being's life. Mm -hmm. But Things will come up and even in the most loving, caring, supportive families, things will happen that will have an effect on that person because right, yeah. that's just how life works. Yeah. And the same is exactly true for divorce. So we accept that going through the process is going to have an effect 
and then it's about kind of how do we limit that how do we damage it yeah so i think we've talked about a couple of things around not using children as pawns Mm -hmm. not having them as the un peacekeepers and trying to kind of negotiate between two warring parties because that's just not fair is it yeah but you know, I come from a, a home where my parents were quite isolated from other people, and so we were the confidants, and it was really damaging. It was, you know, <laughs> don't do what I experienced. You know, it's sort of the laziest option. I think a lot of parents, and they don't think about this, but the sort of the default option is, well, I have these human beings, and they're kind of a, a devoted audience, a dedicated audience, a trapped audience. What is my <laughs> what term am I trying to grasp here for? Because like. If your kids are, you know, under the age of 18, they can't leave. So you've got these people who you think are wanting to support you and listen to adult content, but they just don't have choice because they're kids and they don't know how to say no. So I love it to see parents who actually consider their kids and really try to spare them of all, of as much of the drama as possible. And like, find friends, find a therapist to be able to get all the angst and anger of what you're going through, which is considerable. But somehow just trying to keep your child out of the mediator role. I think I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of putting yourself in there and just really trying to always take kind of a higher ground and try and see things from from both sides. It's bloody hard though. So, you know, I want to kind of acknowledge anybody that's going through it. It can be really, really difficult. And there are times when you do just want to say, hang on a minute, there's like shitloads of other stuff that you know nothing about. Ah, So there's always two different sides to the argument. There's always more knowledge about the situation maybe that you don't possess and don't have. I think the other thing, going back to kind of your parents, I would say is we haven't always been in touch with who we are Mm. and the impact that some of the things that we see and do have on other people mm-hmm. I often think about some of the stuff that we learn now today about mental health about self-awareness about coping strategies all of those things emotional regulation yeah emotional regulation like yeah. all of that stuff you know emotional resilience emotional intelligence all of those words that are yeah. kind of bandied around quite regularly now yeah if you went back sort of 20 odd years ago 30 odd years ago they we didn't discuss things like that we discussed the fact that you know everything would either be kept quiet or there'd be a massive explosion mm. there wasn't anything in between there wasn't that awareness and that emotional awareness to be able to understand what was coming up true when people have these outbursts or they have this running dialogue that does completely trash the other parent mm. it's often not because they're intending to it's because they either don't know any better or there isn't any other option oh my gosh that is so true so here's the thing I've also heard is that kids can take their own emotions out and their own coping in different ways. And I've heard of instances where kids can be kind of nasty. They kind of, as kids will often do, is they'll they'll kind of needle their one parent to be like, you know, yeah. to kind of hit them where it hurts because they're frustrated. They're having their feels and they're, they may actually blame a parent to be like, well, you know, we're not together because of this or, or their experience in one household on their certain custody days might feed them information or they may overhear things because kids are like amazing sponges, right? They just hear what they're hearing and then they bring it to the other parent. And of course, just like you mentioned too, right? You know, you can't explain to the kid, like you're not getting a balanced view here and I can't tell you. And sometimes you may want to be like, well, I'm going to tell you what, and of course then Mm -hmm. err on the side of maybe TMI and and telling them stuff that's beyond their, but certainly because the kid can sometimes be a bit feisty. 
Yeah. So there's a few things that I don't know which one to go for first. (laughs) (laughs) So like on one hand, kids can be very manipulative. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't really like to use the word manipulation with children because it's not manipulation in the same way that you think about it as an adult. What it is, is the child has learned, actually, if I do this, I get why. Yes. And that's different. So I, I've recognized, I've learned that that's different in mum's house than it is yes. in dad's house. Yes. Therefore, I can use that, right? So it's not manipulation in the same way we'd think of as adults, where they really kind of use something against somebody for kind of harm. Or, for malicious gain. Yeah, malicious gain. Yeah. yeah. So it's not in that, but it is part of their learning process. They're learning all the time. How do I read people? How do I understand people? How do I know where I am in the world? How do I make use of that? Like, as you say, children are sponges, so they're continually learning it. Yeah. So we often think that, oh, that's just children manipulating the situation. It's not. They've, they've learned, actually, how to get what they want. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Because yeah. that's a skill that's going to kind of help them later on in life. Yes. So I think there's that side of it. And where it helps for parents to combat some of that and, and having a kind of more negative effect is to have that strong unity, even in divorce. Yeah. So if yeah. you can be on the same page, if you can have conversations, if you can compare notes, ah. then that really kind of helps with that situation because yeah. there yeah. can't be any of this playing two parents off. Well, actually, kind of dad says I could, or you say yes. I can't, like dad said that it was okay. Well, actually, dad didn't because I've had a conversation oh. with him. <laughs> Has that helped when you've been able to like have back-end conversations and... Yeah, all the time. Now that's... Wow. All the time. Yeah. And I think it brings me on to another point where you said about the information and not having all the information. Yeah. I think something, and particularly this has a bigger impact as well, the longer that we're divorced, we have a view of something based on our experience with that person. Right, right. That person may no longer be presenting that kind of behavior or may have come to a different conclusion or responded in a different way than they would have done when we were together right and that can even change in a very short space of time so as people go through a period of reflection or they get influenced by other people and other people's opinions then their views and the way that they are changes Mm -hmm. so never automatically assume that we know what's happening for the other person because we were with them for so long oh i see so it's something, I mean, we are talking about the effect of children, oh, but that yeah. is something that's really important, I think, the effect of children, because, you know, when we're talking about, sometimes we can get this situation where we want to educate the child about how the parent is, uh, the other parent, and their <laughs> kind of shortcomings and misgivings and why yeah. they need to be wary of that. So we're doing that oh. from a positive intention, a positive place, yeah. but actually there's some danger that if that person is no longer the way that they were or having those same reactions and responses then you're giving them you're kind of leading them down a path that isn't real anymore oh isn't that interesting yes does that make sense it completely does and this is the very painful thing is that and of course you're always talking about like negative personality traits right like preparing your kid and saying oh well uh mom is always like this so you know just watch out but isn't it hurtful to realize that mom isn't like that anymore because she was like Mm. that in your relationship and perhaps there was something about the relationship that brought out that negative side or that negative fighting instinct but now that she's not no longer in this relationship she doesn't have to act like that anymore (gasps) yeah absolutely wow imagine if the you know if it was that mom never shows up for things 
Mum mm. never shows up for things. She's never around for the big stuff. She's never there for the important things. Wow. And there could be a reason that that was happening in the relationship. Oh, so then yeah. you as the parent, the dad or the mum, whichever way around it is, you might say, well, I want to protect my child from being hurt. So I want them to be aware that it doesn't matter what she says, she's not going to show up. But the reality might be that person has changed, has gone yeah. Actually, that was a big revelation for me. I didn't show up. That's true. I didn't. Or there could, as you say, be some reason why I couldn't show up in that relationship. Maybe I was terrified of the other person or maybe being in the same room as them just made me despise them. And then I wasn't going to enjoy the situation. I couldn't emotionally bring myself. But now I'm free from that emotional situation. Mm -hmm. I now feel like I can show up for my family. I can be there for the important stuff. Wow. So there is a real danger, I think, in this assumption of the past equals the future. Oh, yes. Gosh, wow. And what it sounds like is it if you can assume that your partner is number one, being a positive influence in your kid's life, that your kid is benefiting, ultimately benefiting, and that leave the door open for your partner possibly being a better person now, then, then I mean, presumably you're a better person now yeah. that you're not stuck in a relationship that was sort of in toxic patterns. That was making you deeply unhappy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And of course, let me also create space for folks who are going through divorce, but yet they were wishing not to, you know, there are people who Mm. end up going through divorce and it was not their intention. So of course that, you know, but even then, if you have tried your best to keep a relationship together, but yet your partner still insists on dissolving the marriage or the relationship, I think it's even possible to look back and say, there must have been something not working in that relationship that even you can see that is possible. And that perhaps you can see yourself as being a better person without the toxicity. Yeah. Somebody once said to me, actually, we're having a conversation about, it was more to do with a, not necessarily a conflict difference, I guess, a real kind of tricky situation. And we're having this discussion about it. And I was saying, well, you know, this will be new information to them. They wouldn't necessarily know. And somebody else kind of challenged me back and said, they knew. So deep down, that person knew. So I think going back to this example of of a divorce where somebody kind of, it might still not be in their desired outcome, they still did know deep down there was something not right. Yes. You know that you're not in a happy, loving, supportive relationship. They've heard. Yeah. Unless there's some like real kind of, I don't know, off the wall, like you were literally the best couple in the world and suddenly one person announces the so I'm not saying it could never happen but but even in that instance I'm now starting to question my relationship no I know (laughs) well like "Mm, could I be caught off guard (laughs) no but but we hear that a lot from people you know to be honest like even my in my own yeah parents like one person was like I just didn't see this coming and I'm like we you totally did whether you chose to number one take it seriously or not was up to you yeah Yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, is that just because you didn't see it coming doesn't excuse you from not listening to your partner. I guess, you know, if you're deeply, deeply listening when they're trying to tell you something. Yeah. And just because you didn't see it coming doesn't mean the situation isn't real now. So if that if you're in this situation, there is a point of acceptance there. There is a point that says, if I can't change this, I've got to accept it. And then at the point of accepting it, what choices do I have? And really considering those choices in relation to the children and thinking about what emotions are they going to be going through? What 
is going to be coming up for them mm. and how do we then kind of minimize that you're right so one choice could be I'm going to use the children as sort of a bargaining block to be able to fight against an injustice and to try yeah. to get a partner back or to prove that I was right or something. That's one choice. Yeah. That's one choice. But the other choice... Not, not a healthy choice. Not a healthy choice, exactly. But it still is a choice. It is, yeah, absolutely. But the other choice is to say, how do I accept this? Even though yeah. I I feel a great injustice, how do I accept this? Make sure that my kids have a balanced upbringing because ultimately it's going to save all sorts of headaches if your kids can just enjoy their childhood. Yeah. And then possibly later down the road, is it possible to see that there's opportunity in this and that actually this has been a world of opportunity for you to actually, though you might not have seen it, is to actually look into your options for healthier relationships in the future. That is completely true, being able to think about it from that perspective. It's not always that easy when you're in the middle of it. So mm -mm. I think mm -mm. acknowledging that to make those steps is is really, really hard. Oh, yeah. But coming back to kind of the effect on the children, sometimes by shifting the focus from yourself to the children can really help to respond to things in a more positive way. Yeah. Because when we're responsible for other people, we often take greater care and have greater compassion than we do when we're thinking about the responsibilities that we have for ourselves. Right. So I think shifting it back to the children and, and really saying, actually, could we have a common goal around this divorce to minimize the impact on the children will potentially help with some of those feelings that are going on emotionally. Because right. it shifts the focus, it allows for some reframe and and just for you to concentrate on a different goal or a different outcome. Yeah, yeah. This is such a big topic. And I think we've we've offered some of the key ones. There's so many other considerations and permutations here, yeah. but that I think centers the topic for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready for a question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for a little lie down. I feel like I need a bit of a massage right now and a bit of a Reiki session. Whew. Yeah. I think it just goes to demonstrate that what emotions are involved and how energetically charged we get because we've just we're putting ourselves in that scenario where yeah kind of recounting some of the things that have happened to us in our own experiences mm. and you can mm -hmm. really feel how it does charge you up in a kind of energetic way doesn't it, it stirs up emotions oh, it, it stirs does. up thoughts and creates this kind of heavy feeling inside you're right because most of us have been affected by divorce so yeah. it really makes a conversation so tricky. I can barely see beyond the emotional responses that are evoked from thinking about my personal experiences with divorce. So it's very hard to have a balanced conversation. So if you're finding that emotions are coming up for you about the mm. topic of divorce, um, be kind to yourself because, of course, yeah. Yeah. And I think that kindness thing is really key because often we can feel at blame, at fault, mm. we can feel like a failure. So it's trying to shift some of those things um, and holding on to the fact that the decisions, these decisions often aren't taken lightly, they come from a period of time. And if you've really truly considered it yeah. and considered the impact, considered what the future might look like, mm -hmm. you know, considered all the steps you can take to prevent it, if you're really genuine in that place where you're like, no, actually, there is no alternative. I've explored it all. Then be kind to yourself and understand that sometimes things just don't work out. Oh, agreed. Ah, nice. All right. Okay, let's go to a question. Let's go to a question. Let's. <laughs>
So the question this week is, I don't feel supported in my relationship. What should I do? Aha! This is so common. Exactly. Maybe don't go straight for the divorce papers. Yes. Just, um, now that we've been talking to about it. Topic. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so what's interesting to me is my first question is, tell me more about what it feels like. How aren't you being supported? Tell me more. Yeah. So my thoughts are definitely around uh, kind of what's missing, what's lacking, mm-hmm. where is it that you feel the gaps are, mm-hmm. really honing in on on understanding what would really good support look like for you? Mm-hmm. Where do you think this gap is? My other question is, what are you comparing this to? Mm. I really get like a sense of comparison here. I don't know why, but oh, that's kind yeah. of coming up for me. Yeah. Is this mm-hmm. comparison? We often kind of think, you know, it goes back to this keeping up with the Joneses or, mm. oh, such and such as husband always does X, Y and Z for them. They're yeah. like truly in sync. He's always supporting her got kind of a big long list of all the things yeah and we can do this comparison thing where we're comparing the two and thinking we're not where we should be oh so that comes up for me I don't know why it's coming out yeah it's true and there's probably two possibilities here is one is it could be that this person just really across the board in many spheres doesn't support but I'll bet you that there's also a possibility we drill down and realize that it's one place where this person yeah. expects something, wishes something to be there, and they're not getting yeah. it. And then that one thing that they're not getting overshadows everything. And that's a natural human tendency. Oftentimes, if we keep mm. drilling down and drilling down and drilling down, we realize it's this one thing where they they feel their partner is not showing up, and it becomes yeah. huge. Well, that's because we look for evidence that we're right. Oh, yes. Okay, tell us more about that. So we're saying, okay, maybe it's a career choice. Yeah. So my partner does not support me in my career choice. Mm. And then we start to look for mm. evidence that my partner doesn't support me in my career choice. Mm. And the brain's really good at looking for evidence because <laughs> it wants to prove itself right all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the time it'll be kind of looking for evidence. It'll be looking for reasons why I'm right oh. and why I'm justified in my... And making interpretations. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so why am I yeah. justified in my thinking? Well, he didn't listen to me when I was talking about that big presentation that I had to do. Uh, and then it'll start to make some connections and it'll say, well, actually never listens to me because uh, and we'll start to come up with some other reasons why he doesn't listen. Yeah. And before long, we've catastrophized the whole situation. We've made this big, massive story about what's going on. Mm. And we've created this big Mm -hmm. novel to suddenly the point that actually my partner never supports me. I don't feel supported. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that he's the right person for me. Yes, that theater can <laughs> that theater can happen in the mind for sure. And I have been there. <laughs> I've completely <laughs> spun these tales for sure. And yeah. then I show up as resentful and then I get defensive. And then if there's any behavior to be re- reinforced, my behavior just gets into the mix and keeps reinforcing that. Yeah. 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 And sometimes we can be building interpretations and assumptions that support that view and building sort of the mountain from the molehill. But there also are times where taking a career choice into account and saying, you know, I don't think my partner supports that. There are toxic relationships where people are uh, the subject of gaslighting and where their partner is trying to kind of control them because of. So, you know, if you feel like you actually have limitation in movement, then that may be something to really look at. But 
so acknowledging all that saying, okay, my partner doesn't support me. Then the first, the next question is, is why do you need their support? Yeah. And it goes back to that thing. What is it that you're missing? Yeah. Because often the things that we are most triggered by are the things that are often something that is lacking in us. You know what? I'll build on that because, you know, if a partner is like, oh, I'm not supporting your job, is it because you yourself, are there blocks standing in your way of confidence that your partner is just mirroring your own lack of confidence? Yeah. You know, if you're constantly coming back home and be like, oh, the job sucks. I feel so bad. This is so Mm. toxic. I hate my workplace. I'm sure your partner is not going to support you in staying, right? They're going to be like, quit the job, blah, blah, blah. So, Stay tuned to what is your partner mirroring back to you that is coming from yourself? What energy is coming from you? Yeah. So what am I giving out and what am I getting in return? I think is what I'm hearing there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So acknowledging all of that then. So acknowledging there could be a whole range of things that are going on. So some ranging from actually I genuinely am in a unsupported, controlling Mm. relationship to, you know, the other side, maybe actually there's something in me. Mm. And something that I need to learn from this experience. Mm. You could try and think about it from three different angles. Mm -hmm. So what are the thoughts that are coming up? So what is it that when I think about the fact that I don't feel supported, what thoughts come up and really Mm. dig deep and and start to kind of Mm. write, either journal it or, you know, just sit and contemplate it for a bit. Like whatever works for Mm. you, record it on your phone if it helps, whatever whatever method it is that gets that information out so there's the kind of thinking part there's the feeling part so what emotions what does this stir up in me yeah and where does some of that come from um because sometimes it could be through fear or lack of security it could be triggering a situation that you've been in in the past yeah so really tap into kind of that feeling side of it and then the third thing I would do is to check in with my gut so what does my gut reaction tell me Mm -hmm. about this situation and then by putting the three parts together what insight what new information does that give me yes we call that holographic thinking from all sides (laughs) gosh doesn't that flip the energy of this because oftentimes like I feel like my partner's not supportive and we tend to sort of lean into this oh yeah okay go off and tell them to like support you more and like this is what you need But I think it's easy, isn't it, to shift the emphasis to somebody else to fix the problem? Yes. That's easy. It's easy for me to say, if we were having this conversation, it would be easy for me to say, well, Anna, I don't feel like you support me in this podcast. Yeah. But instead, if I dig deep and I go, well, actually, what is it that I'm thinking? Yeah. How do I feel about it? What does my gut tell me? Then I've got a much better position to have a conversation about that says, you know what I was thinking the other day I didn't really feel very supported by you but then I did this little exercise and this is the conclusion that I came to yeah that's a whole different conversation oh it it is and it's funny how I received that and I was like my first step is like I have no idea what she's talking about and then what and then what do we do we get defensive yeah and we stonewall and we we shut down and that's the reason why if you come to your partner saying you're not supportive and it comes out of nowhere like The instinct is to shut down. And that's where I like to talk to people about people come to us because they've been having a cyclical argument that both sides are pulling and tugging and pushing and it all goes in the same pattern. We just did a big power struggle. Yes. Yeah. So if you can come to the table and do your own deep work and that holographic thinking that you proposed and really get very clear on where... 
Number one, I don't feel support. So that is the truth. The truth is I don't feel support. So what of me am I not supporting of myself? That's re- And perhaps, yeah. you know, where did I feel lack of support from my parents? Like that I didn't get the validation for something I wanted to do or somebody who I was. And so mm. that actually made me not support myself. And so when I come into relationship, I just feel the same way that I did as I was a kid. And that triggers me. And so I'm going to just react to my partner and say, you don't support me. But it's the yeah. same refrain. I wasn't supported in my childhood either. So how do we break the cycle? Yeah. And that's how you break the cycle. Just yeah. try and take it back and think about it in a different way. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. But it also gives you that clarity to have the conversation. Yeah. So you can still not feel supported. You can still end up yeah. in the same outcome. Yeah. But it's having the clarity to say more about it. Yeah. That's and to very share more about it. And it's amazing to see... If you're a couple and you've been having the same repetitive argument and the same repetitive sort of conflict, it's just wonderful to see it head off in a different direction for once. Mm. It's worth everything to just have that, gosh, we've never taken it in this direction before. It feels great. Yeah. Well, that's food for thought. It is. And I'm sure there are quite a few people who are um, feeling exactly the same way as this listener right now. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So I'm sure I'm almost positive they are not the only person. (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally, yes. And, you know, and we haven't even really gotten into like the most basic way that people aren't being supportive is at home, emotionally unsupported in lockdown, right? Uh, And then unsupported with like kids and housework and chores and stuff. (laughs) There's a lot of people who are feeling mighty unsupported and and might never have actually found the words or found the insight like you mentioned to Mm. guide the conversation in a way that actually encourages people to come to the table as opposed to shutting things down yeah and that's the most important thing is to get things out in an honest respectful way yeah well the opportunity is that we still have a little bit time left in this virus so (laughs) 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 we're still cooped up and uh there's opportunity to come together and start to uh (laughs) there's plenty of time there's plenty of time plenty of time conversation i'm just seeing you know where are the opportunities in continuing to have to be in lockdown and until like oh over on this side of the ocean it's going to be at least another few weeks for sure and yeah 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 i think it is further afield as well we're just a little bit lucky i think right now in jersey yeah but just behave. We are. Just behave. I am anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about I the other 100,000 people that live on the island. <laughs> well, it's funny. Whenever we have the podcast, you're always inside. So <laughs> I know you're not misbehaving. Yeah. <laughs> Literally exactly. sitting in this desk. It feels like yeah. 24-7. I know it's not, but oh, it feels yes. like it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Right. Oh, I think we probably talked the listeners to death this week. That felt like quite, yes. a, long, quite a long one. There was yeah. a lot to explore. There was a lot. Yeah. We had lots of feels, lots of mm. um, coaching pearls came to us. And I love yeah. that the holographic thinking came up on yours. Thank you so much for that. That was mm. a really great reframe. Yeah. So just yeah. a reminder there, the holographic thinking was where you think about things from three aspects. So it's um, mm. thinking, feeling and gut. So you'd go with those to kind of assess any situation or challenge that you might be having. Ah, oh, beautiful. Mm. All right. There's more tools in our toolkit for the next week. Always there. (laughs) Always there. All right. So till next week, my lovely. You behave till then. I will. I'll try to do the same. Scouts on her. Scouts on (laughs) her. All right. Bye, Sarah. Bye. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. 
Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.